This is CouncilCast, part of the Legal Talk Network, and I'm your host, Karen Conroy. When you face a complex case outside your expertise, you bring in a co-counsel for next-level results. When you want to engage, expand, and elevate your firm, you bring in a marketing co-counsel. In this podcast, I bring in marketing experts who each answer one big question to help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. Hey, I'm Danny DeNovo. It wasn't that long ago that I was the expert in unhappiness. I was living the life that I thought everyone was supposed to be living. I had a great job as an attorney. I had the house. I was married. And I just had my baby girl. But what I didn't realize is that I was just going through the motions of life and I wasn't really living to live my life. I was I was functioning. And that's about all I was doing. And then one day I was making dinner and I was stirring a pot on the stove and my baby girl, she was about a year old, was sitting on the floor and she picked up her play bowl and spoon and she looked up at me with her big brown eyes and she started mimicking me. And it was the first time she had ever done anything like that. And I was like, oh my goodness, you're like a little human now, just like mommy. And then I almost fainted on top of my baby. I thought I was going to throw up because I realized that she was copying me. And she was learning how to live her life by what I was doing instead of by what I was saying or what I was recommending. And so I sat down on the floor with her and I promised her that I was going to learn everything there was to know about being happy. I didn't think I could be happy. I didn't think I was wired that way. But I was not going to let her go through the same things that I had gone through in life. And so that's what I did. I set out on a course to learn everything there was to know about happiness. And the funny thing was is when I started learning from people and implementing some of these things, my life very quickly started to change as well. And so I shifted away from kind of more of a traditional lawyer life, if you will, into a life that fit me and my daughter for the sake of my daughter's happiness and my own. And here we are now. Oh, that's such a great intro. I love that story because it really gets to the heart of, first of all, why this is going to be a great conversation, where you're coming from, the fact that you're a lawyer and so you can really speak to the audience, but also It is really just this epidemic within the legal industry. And I talk to lawyers all day. And you're a lawyer. You talk to lawyers all day. And you can tell instantly when people are not happy. I mean, within the first three seconds, you can tell just by all your interactions, every part of working with them, interacting, if they are coming from a place of struggle and, you know, dishappiness, if that's that's not the word I'm looking for, just kind of, you know, uh, struggle with the, the world in general. Dishappiness. Yeah, I think you should make that a new word. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> so it really impacts not just your work, your life, your kids, every part of, of what's going on. So the, the topic and the question for today is why is it so hard to be a happy lawyer? I think this is great because we've had recent episodes where we talked about this happiness formula. We talked about trying to be healthier as a lawyer, but it ne- it didn't really get to this the heart of it, which is what's going on and why is it so hard to be a happy lawyer? So let's start there. Tell me a little bit more about your story and and why you think what, what was at the heart of why you were unhappy and you were kind of standing in that moment stirring the pot and feeling you know all those feelings well 
my story goes back a little way. So I actually went through a really bad depression that started in my teens. And, uh, you know, my parents kind of blew it off just saying, you know, it's teenage hormones, you're, you know, things are changing and, you know, you'll get over it. Well, I didn't get over it, it just got worse. And I honestly thought that I was sick because I was a high achiever, like most lawyers, right? Like I was doing well in school and I competed in horseback riding and some, I had some other really passionate things that I was going through at the time. All of a sudden, I didn't want to do anything anymore, and I didn't really care about school, and that was not like me. So I thought I was sick because I was tired all the time and just didn't feel like myself. So of course, I go to the doctors. They run all the tests, right? Everything comes back normal, and you start going to all these specialists, and sooner or later, someone says, hey, why don't you sit down and talk to somebody? Okay, fine, because I just want to get better. That's right. You know, I'm 16 years old. I'm struggling. I just want to get better. So I sit down across the table from this woman in this office and I tell her what's going on and she just folds her arms and she looks at me and she goes, honey, you're depressed. And I was like, oh, I'm okay. I don't, I'm 16. I don't even know what that means. Um, but I don't think that I'm depressed. I said, you know, I go to a good school. I get good grades, I have friends, I have a horse, you know, I've never seen poverty, I've never seen violence, I don't, you know, even at that age, I was aware that people had it a lot harder than I did, right? I said, I don't have any reason to be depressed. And she looked at me and she said, honey, you're depressed. And I said, okay, well, you're the expert, so what do we do about it? And so she picked up the phone and she called the MD. And the next thing you know, I started down this road of all these different medications, right? Which, and in my opinion, just spiraled me out of control. So I graduate high school, I go off to college, and now I'm drinking on top of taking this medication, right? Really not getting the therapeutic help that I needed because, you know, just like there's bad lawyers out there, there's also a lot of really bad therapists, unfortunately, right? So no one's really helping me deal with this. I'm getting a lot of information like it's okay to be depressed okay well it's it's not okay it's okay to have those feelings and it's okay to be processing through them but it's not okay to live in this perpetual state of constantly being depressed right and so I'm drinking still make it through school make dean's list all this stuff I go home for the summer and my home life wasn't the happiest and I just kind of crashed so I go back for a sophomore year I'm there a few weeks and I just can't even hold it together I can't shower I can't function I can't get to class um, so I had these very lofty goals. I was actually going to be a doctor. I had these very lofty academic goals crashing down in front of me. And the next thing I know, I had to call my father and say, you have to come pick me up because I can't do this anymore. I was suicidal beyond belief. So as soon as I got home, I checked myself into the mental institution. And so now here I am in a full lockdown mental institution, right? Surrounded by these women who have gone through divorce and who have lost children. And again, here I am 18, 19 years old. I don't know why I I'm like this. I just know I don't want to live anymore. And so now I'm sitting in this room feeling guilty because these women are experiencing this loss and this trauma and this grief. And I'm just like, oh, maybe I'm just an entitled kid. I don't even know anymore. I go through, you have to stay for two weeks or at least you did at the time when, when you uh, voluntarily commit yourself, which I did. And then I got out and I held it together through the holidays for the sake of my family. But I was in a really bad spot after that. And so I ended up checking myself back in and saying to them, okay, look, here it is. If I leave here, I'm not going to make it, right? I know I'm not going to make it. My behavior is at a point where I, I'm going to succeed in killing myself. And I really don't want to do that to my family. And I also don't want to keep coming back here because this sucks, 
right? This is a terrible existence. And and they're like, well, we've done everything we can for you. And I was like, well, you got to come up with something. And they said, well, the only thing we have left to do is electroshock therapy. And I said, okay, where do I sign up? You know, there's no one there advocating for me. My parents really just didn't know what to do with it. They were just kind of like, you know, I don't know. And at this point, you're an adult, so you can make these choices, right? Yes, I'm of a majority age. I can sign. And so I sign. And next thing I know, the next morning, someone rolls in a wheelchair and they take me into the secret part of the mental institution, right? Everyone's masked up and they strap down my body and my legs and my arms and they wheel me through these double doors into something that looks like Frankenstein's laboratory. And I am not exaggerating by any stretch on that one, right? And um, I'm, you know, I'm I'm a kid and I start crying and I was some, can someone please hold my hand? I think I changed my mind. I don't want to do this. And my head got pushed back and I saw this man coming towards me with these two giant probes in his hand and then I was out. And when I woke up, at first I thought that I had gotten my wish. I thought that I was dead. But then when I realized where I had been, I was just trying to deal with the fact that I felt like I got hit in the head with a sledgehammer. And my life was never going to be the same from then on, right? So now I'm going through these treatments every other day for weeks and weeks. And my body's shutting down. And then one night I'm having dinner with my little brother and he's talking about this time that we rode our ponies together and all this great stuff that happened. And I I can't recall what he's talking about. And he's got such details and he's so excited. And this was like an amazing event in our childhood. And I and his face, like he's it's just starting to drop. He's so sad because he can tell that I, I can't recall anything. And, and then I just realized I had no recollection of a lot of things. And so I started faking it. I was like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, we did this and that. And he's like, oh, yeah, good, you remember, right? So I push back from the table. I run into my bedroom and I pull out my photo album from under my bed and I start looking through childhood photos and most of my childhood memories were gone. I just couldn't recall anything. And so that scared me to the point of going in and saying to my treatment team, okay, it worked, even though it hadn't worked, right? I was like, I'm better, I'm happy. Let's like stop doing this because I can't take it anymore and so they were like okay well show us you know get back into school do this do that which I did and I never again not only never dealt with the whole you know why am I depressed from the beginning but now I'm dealing with all this trauma of everything that I just went through right but I just suppressed it all because I was like look you know somebody had said to me once maybe the reason that you're not happy is because you are always asking these questions, these big questions, like why does life have to be this way? Why does it have to go this way? Why can't it be different? Why can't things be outside the box, right? And so they said, maybe if you just start acting like everyone else, you'd be happier. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try that. I'm just gonna act like everyone else, right? And so I had actually been involved in public safety. I was a paramedic and a volunteer firefighter and was really interested in that. So I thought, well, you know, legislation might be a really cool way to get involved in that. So maybe I'll try law school, which is how I found myself there, right? And so I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to law school. I'm gonna be a law student. I'm gonna take the bar exam. I'm gonna be a lawyer. And that's what I was doing. I was just being what I thought you were supposed to be. Kind of faking the role. Faking everything, faking everything, going to the gym, going to the grocery store, right? I had no 
real sense of who I was on any, you know, deep level. I was just existing from day to day. The alarm would go off and I would dread the fact that I had to get out of bed and start my day like I know a lot of people do. The only thing that I ever got out of it was being a mother. Thank God. I mean, she saved my life in so many ways, right? But until I saw that moment when it clicked for me that she, it was monkey see, monkey do, and it didn't matter what I was going to tell her, right? If I didn't know how to do it and show her how to do it, she was never going to be able to do it for herself, which is, you know, where I see us right now, post-COVID, right? All of these parents don't know how to manage their own depression and anxiety. And so all these kids are now anxious and depressed. But I knew that I had to be the leader. I had to I had to be the role model in that, right? So that is where I had to go. Now, so that leads me to why are so many people so unhappy, right? Yeah, well, especially lawyers. Yeah, we follow into these patterns, right? We care what other people think so much and especially so with lawyers right we're so concerned about how we look to our peers to other people in the profession there's that whole you know that affluence that comes with it right I have to drive a certain car I have to have a certain house there's all these images we've seen in movies and right you know in every kind of show I saw a really great LinkedIn post from it was an earlier guest actually Laura Hartnett this morning was talking about how she was watching a show and there was this female lawyer in the show and she wasn't even a main character. She was just dating someone, you know, who was a main character. And she came into the show and she was wearing all black pantsuits and she just had this like unmanaged anger and she was just, you know, the word that no, no woman wants to be called. And this was just this kind of typecast character in this show. And then she was asking on LinkedIn, can you think of any great examples of female lawyers in the media that you can even think of? And I sat there for a while trying to think of any w women lawyer roles that I could think of that were positive, not in that black pantsuit, not angry, not that typical, just angry woman role. And I feel like that's the role that especially a lot of women think they have to play as a lawyer. And so that just gets embedded into your head. And so you assume you have to be negative and angry and you're fighting and you're arguing with people. Yeah. You're always fighting. Right. Sure. And so you can understand, I, I can understand where that comes from, how, you know, how that's, how that starts. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's, take it back even a little bit further, right? There's a certain kind of person that's attracted to the profession to begin with, right? So you're probably high achieving, you're probably pretty driven, ambitious in some regard, you know, hopefully you want to make a difference, right? And I think you want to have impact in some way, right? Whether that's, you know, for society or for some other reason, it doesn't really matter. You want to have some sort of impact and influence over the world. And you're probably not great at managing your stress to begin with. I think that, you know, these are not skills that are taught to us. And so if you don't have a parent or someone in your life who does teach you how to do that, right, it just accumulates over time. Again, you've gone from school to college to law school, and then it's, you know, bam, you're supposed to be this professional in this industry, if you will, that kind of expects you to just jump in and be at a really high level when, and again, no one really taught you how to do that either, right? It's also at the time in your life when you're supposed to be making all these decisions about who am I going to marry? 
and when am I going to have kids and all this other stuff. So there's a lot kind of coming down on you. But the problem is, is you probably never paused enough to really ask yourself, who am I? What do I want? What do I really want my life to look like? Because there aren't too many people, I think, that if you sat them down in fourth or fifth grade and said, do you want to get up at 4.30 every morning and work out and then drop your kids off at school and go into the office and bill, you know, 1,500 hours and come home and, you know, maybe get a decent dinner and maybe see your kid for 15 minutes and probably just arguing about homework with them until you've got to get back on a call or do more work for tomorrow. And then you're going to crash because you're exhausted and then tomorrow is going to look the same way. That's not anyone's dream <laughs> in like yeah, fourth grade. <laughs> yeah, nobody was was like, yeah, sign me up for that, right? And so when you when you don't even take the time to figure out what you want your life to look like and who you really are, and if the two are gonna jive, right? It's gonna be really hard to be happy. I think it's hard to be happy being a lawyer because of how the profession has come to look and because we've been too afraid to stand up and say that it needs to change. I think COVID did a little bit of that for us, but I can already see things sliding back to where they were before. And if you're not brave enough to hold that line, then, you know, it's just going to repeat itself. I think that's so true. And especially the part about how we're sliding back in so many ways where I feel like there was this moment in the beginning of COVID when we didn't really know what it was going to look like, what the world was going to you know, be. And you know, the whole world had shut down. And there was these like beautiful moments where like I'm in Southern California and there was these space shots where the air was actually clean here for a few days. And, and it was like, this could be, we could change the world. And now it's all back to to all of that, both kind of in theory, in terms of like the environment, but also the rest of the world. Like we're all sliding back to like dirtier air all the way around. So I'm hoping, like you, this is what you talk about and this is your story, but I feel like that's not the end of the story. And so you've found some pathways. It seemed like there was a moment where you made a choice that you wanted to do things differently. And we're kind of at this point in the story where it's like, okay, this is kind of where the world is now, especially the legal industry. So what have you figured out? What have you decided for yourself that you've done differently and that you have decided to kind of make a point of doing differently for your daughter? A lot of things, right? And, and I changed a lot. And you have to understand is that this was not an easy thing to do. This was not something that was accepted by the people in my life. Everyone thought I was crazy that I had gone off the deep end. But it was just that important to me to figure out, you know, again, and it was my daughter that got me involved in it. But when you get down this path a little bit, you realize you've got to do it for yourself. So, you know, I, I ended up getting divorced. There was no one in my family that was supportive of it. It was a very isolating time. And so the first thing I will caution you too is that if you really want to search for that happiness that you may find there's a lot of resistance in your life. People don't want you to change. And so, you know, I was going along this path. I started studying where I thought I, I should, right? Religion and philosophy, because I didn't know any better. And then it eventually led me onto these other gurus some of whom took me under their wing and kind of taught me the ropes and then you just build upon it from there and I started geeking out on the neuroscience side of it and the nutrition side of it and everything and it just it blossomed into this really cool thing and I took all these little nuggets and put them together into a formula that worked for me right it took a lot of time to do that as well right yeah of course it sounds like a great combination because you're getting into the combination of 
the spiritual side of it, but also I feel like the health side of it, like your actual physical health is a part of it. And we were talking about this earlier that lawyers have a huge rate of addiction problems and suicide and all of that stuff. And Getting into any kind of addiction, whether it's alcoholism or whatever it is, that's clearly really bad for your health. And that's just going to spiral you down, you know, even farther. Yeah, it's going to mask a lot of things, too. That's what it's designed to do is to mask the fact that you're so out of alignment with your own heart that you can't bear to be in a sober state, right? Trust me, I've been there, I know. Uh, Same with the suicide too, right? And it's difficult because you kind of have to go through this wall of of it being really uncomfortable for a while and most people don't want to put themselves through it. But what you don't realize is that on the other side of that is all of this great stuff. And I didn't realize I'd gotten through it until finally one day my brother came to me and he said, hey, what are you doing? What are you reading? Like, what are you looking at? And I said, oh, you know, this, this and this. And I said, why? And he said, well, he said, you know, you you seem happy. He said, and I've, and I've never seen you like that before. And I was wondering if it worked for you, do you think it might work for me? And I said, well, hey, let's give it a shot. And then I started to see his life change. And so I was like, huh, I bet I could put this stuff together in a way that made sense for a lot of people and show them how to go through it, not hitting all of the road hazards that I hit along the way, right? But you're still gonna have to go through some of that because it's it's a self-discovery process. Uh, it's about growth, probably a lot of growth in a very short period of time, which is sometimes kind of painful. But what you realize is you can get through the pain without having to suffer. And that's what most people are doing every day is suffering through the day. Yeah. So I know you have some happiness hacks. I wrote that down. And so give us a couple tips of where would you recommend a typical lawyer that is on that similar path where they're just in that place that you were just describing where they're kind of suffering and they just feel like there's no path forward. Yeah. So that's that's a really tough place to be, right? Look, all I can tell you is keep going and do one thing at a time. So when I was really bad, when I was when I was really just not wanting to wake up every day, not wanting to live, right? And I knew that I had to bring myself out of it because no one else was helping me do it, right? I, I said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to make a promise to myself that I'm going to go outside every day. And I'm going to stay outside for at least, you know, 15 to 30 minutes. And it didn't matter what the weather was like. I don't live in Southern California, so it's not beautiful every day. Yeah, so it didn't matter what the weather was like, how cold, how rainy, how disgusting. That's what I was going to do every single day. And then I got a calendar and I hung it on the wall and I started crossing out every day each day that I did it and I got to the end of the month and I was like huh it was kind of a reminder like if I can do this I bet I could do a little bit more and it gave me just that much confidence to be like okay this looks like it's getting better right I mean look at it from the lawyer analytical side the evidence shows that things are a little bit better the end of the month than they were at the beginning of the month. Let's keep going. Let's try something else. Because for me to sit here and say, oh, you know, try smiling more. Like that's when you're when you're that deep in, it's not going to do anything for you. And I and I understand that. Yeah, it is in a way. Right. It is. But it doesn't 
it's it's not enough to bring you out of it because smiling in and of itself is going to instill that confidence that you're going to need in yourself to keep going, right? You have to understand, like, I, I get it. Like, I went from a place where I was so broken down mentally that I could not make eye contact with myself in my own bathroom mirror, right? Now I go on TV regularly. That first TV tier appearance for me was really difficult, right? But it's little by little. You can't expect this thing to just happen for you overnight. You deserve your happiness, but you're not entitled to it. It's like the gym. You've got to go every day if you want to be fit, if you want those muscles, if you want to keep those muscles. So just like your happiness, it has to be something that you work at every single day. There's not a day that goes by that I let it slide because I know where I can end up back to if I forget about it, if I let it go, if I don't make it a priority. And so it's the first thing I take care of every single day because if I don't have that, then I'm no good to anybody else, not to my daughter, not to a client, not to, you know, even myself. Have you ever tried those like habit tracking apps? I'm kind of obsessed with these. There's one that I use called Streak and I'll link to it in the show notes, but you can create, it has all these different ideas for habits and you can create whatever things you want to track. And it's kind of what you're describing with your calendar, but on your phone. (laughs) And so it's on my watch too. So it'll pop up. So like I want to drink five glasses of water a day and it'll pop up and say, okay, you've done two and you have to check them off, obviously, and tell (laughs) because it doesn't know I'm drinking water. But um, and then it'll remind me, but like as we're getting towards the evening or whatever, like, hey, you still need to drink two more glasses of water. It also syncs with like my health apps and whatever, so it can tell how much I'm standing and all of that stuff. But I also, in the early part of the the pandemic, I was on a mission to try to read a lot more. And so I started with, okay, I'm going to just read 15 minutes a day, kind of similar to what you were describing with going outside. And there's this woman that I follow who's kind of a hero of mine, and she reads like 100 books a year. So I'm like, I want to see what that would feel like, you know, and So I am now reading 100 books a year because I started with 15 minutes a day. And so I am such a proponent of these habit tracking apps because I know once you get in the habit of it and you get a streak going, it just burns in your brain. And you you now feel like you were describing, you feel confident, it it happens and you, you know you can do it. Well, yeah, from the neuroscience side of it, right, that's what you need. You need the repetition, right? That's what creates the new neural pathways. That's the plasticity of the brain, right? That's repetition. It's how you learned everything in your life. You're now in a place where if you're not a very happy person is you've learned how to live an unhappy life. And every day your brain goes back to what is familiar to it because it's easy. It doesn't take very much energy and it understands the surroundings, right? When you start to change that, you are literally gonna put your body in fight or flight mode and that is uncomfortable. So not only are you dealing with the whole mental side of it, but you're actually having a biochemical reaction to trying to do something different or be happy. That's why it's so uncomfortable. Now, if the if the habit tracking works for you, great. For some people, I think it might create more anxiety, and that's not something that you want to do, right? But you know, you've you've got to hold yourself accountable. There's got to be some measure of discipline involved in all of this. And again, that's where part of the discomfort comes from because you're sort of fighting all of this stuff at the same time. Have you heard of other ways for people to kind of push through that? Because I feel like that hurdle is is it like that's the you know one side of the hurdle is this place where you are now and the other side of the hurdle 
is where you want to be. And so how do you get through that hurdle? If you are someone like you described that the habit tracking act, that's just not going to work for you. So what other tips or tricks or ideas do you have for people who are really struggling with how to get through that hurdle? Well, meditation is a great way to start with it. Uh, There's a lot of breathing techniques that you can utilize. I've studied holotropic breathing, which um, was actually formed by a psychiatrist who back in the 50s was doing experimentation with LSD. And when the government said, you have to shut that down, and he saw his patients getting great relief from it, he had to come up with a new way to get the same results. And so he developed this actual breathing pattern that kind of puts you almost in the same state that a psychedelic would. The meditation is, uh, you know, people freak out when I bring that up because, okay, now another thing that's hard to do and I've got to devote time to every day. Well, yeah, at the beginning you do, but it doesn't have to be this, you know, I'm completely dumping everything out of my brain and it's quiet and there's no distraction whatsoever. If you want to start with an easy meditation, light a candle and just stare at the flame for three minutes every day because it's enough to distract you from the noise in your head and refocus the energy onto something else, onto one thing, right? And when you when you train your brain to do that, then what you can start to do is go internally. Because here's the deal is you're going to have to find that one voice, right? Especially as a lawyer, we've got all of this junk going on all day long, all of these voices in your head. Most of them aren't even yours, right? How do you know what's the one voice that's yours? Well, you've got to get rid of the distraction. You've got to get rid of everything that's superfluous around you, and you've got to come back and hear. I believe it come, that voice comes from your heart, but you're never going to hear it if you're not quiet and if you're not distracted. And then once you kind of learn to listen to that voice and you get more confident what it's telling you, you'll realize that that voice knows everything. Everything that you need to know about you being happy. So then it becomes an exercise in acting in conformity with that, which again takes a lot of courage to do because it's going to mean you acting in ways you typically don't, you acting in ways that that make you scared, you acting in ways that people are going to judge you for. And that's, again, you've got to get over that discomfort hump as well. But once you start doing that and again, seeing you know, kind of like my brother did, you know, all these little changes that you've made over all this time has really added up into something, right? When you start to see that for yourself, there's no going back because you know how you felt over here and how you feel here. And every time you implement one of those little things or add something to it or take something away that doesn't make you happy, you realize how much further you can go into this and how amazing your life can really look. You finally give yourself the ability to imagine a life that looks something like you could never have dreamed it was. Like I you know, never dreamed my life would look like this when I was stirring that pot on the stove. I just thought this was life and this is how it's supposed to be and this is how it's going to be. But now I practice law in a very different way. I have a very different life style. I, you know, I get to do all of the things that I love to do every single day and spend time with my daughter. And a lot of lawyers would come to me and say, well, that's not realistic, or maybe that works for you, but not for me. Well, trust me, if it worked for me, considering where I was, it could work for you, but you've got to put the time and effort into it. Oh my gosh, that was such a good, I, I loved that part about finding your voice. And I feel like that is, that is everything right there. That is, I feel like everyone needs to kind of rewind and listen to those like two minutes right there where you were just getting to the heart of it and finding that quietness where you can hear your voice, which is the voice of of your happiness and all of your answers about, you know, all these things that you're seeking 
And I know this is kind of a, a departure from the topics that we're usually talking about with business and strategy, but this comes to the bottom line of everything when it comes to your law firm, when it comes to your life in general, but obviously we're you're usually talking about your law firm, but you can't run a successful law firm if you're miserable and you can't run a successful life and all of you know the other pieces of, of your life that go on if you're miserable as well. So we need to find a path of happiness and how to figure out how to do that in order for all of the pieces to work together. And, you know, it's a problem. It's a problem for so many lawyers. It's a problem because they think they don't have the time or they don't know how to do it. And so it scares them. But I'll tell you what, as far as affecting your bottom line, I have never been this successful. And I put in less effort into things. I have more amazing opportunities coming out of the blue because I continue to do this kind of work. Well, nobody wants to work with an angry person. Everybody, you know, when you're a happy, successful person, it all just compounds because, you know, people people don't want to work with someone who's miserable. I mean, they obviously want to have a great experience with you. And if you're not if you're not happy in general, you're not going to have great interactions with your clients. It's just it's not going to be great. It may be transactional, but it's never going to be, you know, repetitive. And, you know, the clients are not going to come back and send you referrals and all of that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you just you don't realize how much it closes you off to all the great things that are out there and how numb you become to so much going on around you because you're just sort of focused on this like this mindset of whatever it is that keeps you entrenched in this way of being instead of branching out and trying something a little bit different. Yes, awesome. Okay, so it's time to talk about your book review. I know that you have a great one too. I'm curious to see which direction you go because there's so many different angles. There's the neuroscience, there's the spirituality. So uh, what is the book that you have to recommend for the audience today? There's so many good books, but I'll keep it simple because I am all about if it's difficult, you're not going to do it. If if it's simple, you're going to go out and try it, right? So I love the book Courage is Calling by Ryan Holiday. And his tagline under that is fortune favors the brave. Because I really believe that your happiness is all about being brave. It's all about having the courage to step outside of what you're doing right now and trying on new things and being okay with failing, right? Which is not something lawyers are real comfortable with either. And uh, it's a great read because it's easy in that it's broken down into small chapters so you can do a little snippet every single day. Not so easy in that it's really going to put your face <laughs> in the fact that you're kind of tiptoeing through life. You're really not engaging with it. You're really not putting yourself out there as much as you think you are. You're really not going after it the way that you want to lie to yourself about doing it, right? So it's kind of an eye-opener, kind of tough to get through at times. Yeah, But I actually like the subtitle almost better than the title because that's the why. You know, I feel like there's so much good value in figuring out why it's so hard to be a lawyer, all of the things we're talking about. But at the end of the day, the point we're trying to get to and the why that we should even care about all these things is the subtitle of this book, which is Fortune Favors the Brave. So all of these things, like we were saying a minute ago, they relate to your bottom line. It relates to not just your success and your level of happiness, but how successful your law firm is gonna be overall. 
Yeah. I don't know if you know Ryan Holiday very well, but he comes from the stoic mindset, which is kind of like this whole, you know, let's focus on death as the end and not in a depressing way, but just as a reminder that it's coming, right? And I really like that because I've always been someone who's been really sort of focused on the clock, right? Now, I lost my father. He was he was young when he passed away. And so I think that had a lot to do with it too. But, you know, I am not somebody who can sit here and live with regret very well. And so my constant thing is, if this is the end, right, if I know that this is probably my last day, and I look back, right, am I going to be happy with what I've done? Am I going to be happy with where I've left it? Am I going to be happy with myself? Am I going to be happy with the chances and the risks that I took? Or am I going to be kind of like, you know what, you really, you left so much on the table, it's kind of disgusting. You know what I mean? I don't like that feeling. And I remind myself of that every single day when I get up, that this could be it because you don't know when it's coming. You really don't. And so I like that side of it too, because it allows me to be a little braver and say, okay, well, you know what, maybe I should take a chance today or maybe today's the day to do this. Oh, it's such a good point. There was this is the last reference I'll add in, but I don't know if you ever watched the show The Good Place and towards the end of the show, they are in this point where they kind of have eternal life and they realize that this is not the way they want to live because they don't have any structure around their goals, there's no timeline, there's no, there's nothing pressing them to make any kinds of decisions, because they can just do this and they'll live forever. Um, and so they all decide to then become mortal again, because it adds all this meaning to every part of your day. And every decision you make, because you don't get this moment again. And you, you know, you only have so many days, and it's all finite. And when it is finite, you have so much more definition to and meaning behind all of those decisions. And so I think it's just something we all need to remind ourselves. Like we're not here forever. And and that's good for the way that we live. <laughs> well, you know, I think I'll leave you with this too, is I think a lot of lawyers forget that, you know, between the depositions and the billing and the emails and the calls and the running around living from moment to moment in this, I have to get this done, I have to get this done, I have to get this done, is your life is happening. This is this is your life and you're and you're missing it. You're missing it because you're so focused on this other stuff and getting to the next thing and achieving the next thing or getting the next thing off your to-do list that you're forgetting that you're walking down the street that the sun is shining, that you have a delicious cup of coffee in front of you, that you get to engage with another human being whose time is very valuable just as yours is to you, right? That you get to do all of these things every single day. You totally forget that and take it for granted. And then again, you're going to come to this point where something is going to be taken away from you. You know, you're going to get sick or an opportunity is going to be stripped away from your life for whatever reason or that final day is going to come. And so be present now and everything that you are doing, find the little joys because that is where life is lived in those little joyful moments to moments that happen throughout your day. I was going to ask you for one big takeaway, but I feel like that's it. I feel like you just nailed it already. And I, if I asked you for the one big takeaway that like it, it wouldn't be quite as good as that. So I'm going to leave that as the one big takeaway. Uh, I feel like that's everything. Find the joy in those little moments and recognize that it, this is it. This is what your life is made out of. It's not those, you know, 
grand. Sometimes those big moments are, are a big deal and you look back at them, but it's not what really makes up your life. So uh, finding that happiness and finding a way to, to not be so miserable in those little moments is everything. Right. I mean, those milestones are great, but, you know, if they don't come about or they don't really come about the way that you had anticipated, there's all sorts of disappointment and attachment related to that. But the present moment is always perfect because you just accept it for what it is. And, and when you can live your life that way, you will be happy. I promise you. Uh Danny DeNovo, thank you so much for being here. This was such a great conversation. We will link to your website, your courses, all of the things that you're working on. And there's so many resources that I know you have to offer too. Obviously, we'll also link to the, this book because that sounds amazing too, The Courage is Calling. But I know that you have resources where there's so many directions people can take this and reach out and contact you if they have any questions. Yeah, I love to have conversations and I've got lots of free stuff available to just take a look at and see if if nothing else gets you started on the right track right there's a lot of people out there that are teaching this kind of stuff so find the person that resonates with you and utilize the information to your benefit i mean going back to what you were talking about with the you know there's great therapists and not so great and same with lawyers and everything you really have to find the one that connects with you especially when you're talking about happiness and therapy and all of that stuff because if if you have don't have the right connection it's already a dead end it's not going to work no if you listen if you keep going i promise you will find that one person that will say something and all of a sudden it'll all click and you'll be like oh my goodness i finally get it the way they said it the way they put it into context i get it now and so then you know you're on the right track so keep going keep going Ah, that's so good. Thank you so much for this conversation and for being here. That was amazing. (laughs) Thanks again. Thank you. It was so great to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.